At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome, everyone, to SI Media with Jimmy Trana. Thank you for listening. We have a great show. Jim Nance, fresh off of the Masters and also his last final four for the NCAA tournament, comes on and discusses uh, those two big events as well as some NFL things. Uh, Jim talks about the sort of backlash that's gone on with Tony Romo, his broadcast partner. And then we get it. That's towards the end. We start out talking about the Masters and the NCAA tournament. Uh Jim gets into the whole Phil Mickelson live if CBS showing live golfers and Tiger Woods and a couple of other things from that. And Jim talks about doing the final four and the NCAA championship game for the last time. So all that with Jim Nance, followed by train of thoughts with Sal Akata. Sal back after a week off. I, I tell Sal a story about succession and spoilers. And we I need your take on that. So if you listen to that, Hit me up on Twitter or send me an email what your take is on this story I tell about succession and someone giving out spoilers. And we also talk about uh, Sunday Ticket and YouTube came out with their pricing, so we get into that with Sal as well. So Jim Nance followed by Sal Licata on this episode. Before we get to it, just quickly, if you've missed any recent episodes, go into the archives, check them out. Andrew Marchand, sports media reporter from the New York Post on last week. Cody Rhodes from the WWE two weeks ago. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football. Richard Jefferson all recent guests on SI Media with Jimmy Trena. So go into the archives, check them out, subscribe to the pod if you're not a subscriber, leave a review on Apple. Very important if you can leave a five-star review, helps tremendously. All right, Jim Nance, followed by Trena Thoughts with Salicata right now, right here on SI Media with Jimmy Trena. All right, joining me now, man who's had a very, very busy and exciting couple of weeks, wrapped up his run doing the NCAA tournament, got to cover the Masters. So a lot to cover with the voice of CBS Sports, Jim Nance. Jim, how are you? Hello, friend. I'm doing well. I'm just uh, still kind of in the afterglow of all the things that went on at both events. Houston was so special in so many ways. And the amount of people that reached out and had nice things to say, I was truly touched. So I'm ha- finally having the opportunity to sit back and kind of absorb it all and reach out and thank people. When, when after UConn's win in the title game, did you then get on a plane to Augusta? Was it the next day, that night? When did you get out of out of uh, Houston and get to Augusta? 
I did something a little different this year. I had never done before. And this is part of the beauty of having a home now in Nashville, as well as my home out in California. I was exhausted. We had done 15 games in 23 days, and there had been so much surrounding the event that I, I knew that uh, I was beyond running on fumes. So I, I waited until, until um, Tuesday morning and flew back to Nashville. One of the oh. just needed to see my kids a little bit. And then I got into Augusta on Wednesday. It's the first time in 38 years that I had gone home in between the two, but I did it for about 18 hours and it really helped me kind of uh, refuel. Yeah. Let's, um, let's go backwards. We'll start with the masters and we'll go to the tournament. Sure. Let me, let me get this out of the way first, because I know you're not a big social media internet guy, but you know, uh, you I set Twitter ablaze with a line that you had uh, on Brooks Kepka when he had a shot into the crosswalk and you said right on the CW and everyone said, Jim Nance is taking a shot at live yeah. and living on it. And I, I said, if of every broadcaster, I know Jim is probably the last one who would do that. <laughs> and then I was like, I kind of hope he was doing that because it would, you know, have a little, we'd have a new uh, sort of, thought about Jim Nance here, but give us the backstory on the uh, right on the CW there. Cause everyone, the headlines are all over the place. Jim Nance. takes I'm shot. Shocked. I'm honestly shocked that there was any kind of reaction to it. First off, we were on for 29 hours, either taping or being on the air. So for the masters to be summed up in a throwaway line for me on a Sunday morning, uh, I find it all pretty amazing of what people latch on to, but definitely was not a shot. It just was something that um, I, I could see for the first time that his second shot at 15 had ended up on the crosswalk. And that's a rarity. You see a player on the crosswalk. Just way my brain works sometimes. I said, uh, there he is on the CW, the crosswalk. <laughs> I was just maybe being a little cheeky. I certainly didn't mean it to be a shot. It was not a shot at all. Uh, maybe it was just trying to be a little whimsical, but, um, you know, the bottom line is um, I think that we showed every golfer in that field last week a tremendous amount of respect, no matter what tour they're playing. And it certainly wasn't an attempt to create any sharper edge or division between the game. It was to me, it was it was a nothing. It was just is what is it that Al says sometimes he has a little bit of a rascal in him. Yeah. Now, if you get to know me a little bit, I. Uh, I'm talking about off the air. That's a lot right. more of kind of the way I communicate with people than maybe what you might think if you watch right. my broadcasting. Um, but that's that's just it was meant to be a nothing basically. It was it, just on crosswalk. So it was it was it a reference to the network in a cheeky way and not as a shot, or you weren't even thinking about the CW network? Um, I really wasn't even thinking about it you know the cw has certainly got a lot of attention because of its alliance now with taking the um what would you call it time by from yeah. from the from the other tour um you know i, I you're overthinking it right now jimmy let's just okay. put it that way okay. you're over i will okay. say this um you know i'm not a social media guy and maybe that'll change by the way maybe in the fall uh -oh. i might I might, I might break out something new or Let two. me give you some advice. Don't do it. Well, I'm not saying Don't it's necessarily do it. better. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe a, maybe a podcast or something. If you can teach me the ropes of how to do it. 
Okay. I wouldn't mind. Well, we know what we know what the name is going to be. No, it's not going to be Hello Friends. How could it not be? How could it not be? You've got the perfect built-in name. <laughs> well, maybe. I need. I would need some. Certainly, I need some assistance on how to get this thing started. And maybe I'll do it in concert with someone else, and um, we, we 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 could have some fun with it. Did you? But were would, you? Did anyone know. alert you? Did anyone alert you though that? It became a social media thing, the CW thing. I really had no idea. Oh, okay. Okay. And it was so far down the road. We got off yeah. the air like almost eight o'clock Eastern time. Right. And someone said that got picked up a lot. And um, Melissa Miller, who's run my world for a quarter of a century, um, invaluable to me. She said, man, there's a lot of stories being written out there about it. Yeah. And she was replying more uh, or telling me more about what was being written. You know how so many stories are written about what's being written on Twitter. I find that just amusing that suddenly that gives people content. Um, well, a lot of, a lot of people, the good, the flip, the good side of that is there were a lot of people watching. Uh, CBS got a great rating for that final round on Sunday, over 12 million watched it. Most watched golf telecast in five years. And you know, I thought it was, uh, yeah. well, you know, like, I'm not somebody that's paid to crunch numbers. And, you know, that was a, a, the audience size, I think, was a cumulative how many people saw it. And, you know, I'm glad that, that the numbers are good. I'm completely in the dark on that as we're doing it. Um, but the, the one thing about social media, I'm coming out of the stadium on Monday night. I know you want to probably get to this later, but I'm going to, yeah, yeah. because you touched on Twitter here. So my oldest, Caroline, was was with me, and she was in the car, and we're speeding away from uh, from NRG Stadium. And she says, "Dad, you're you're right now. You're trending number one in the world on Twitter." And I said, "Oh Lord, what did I say?" <laughs> I thought I, I figured it probably wasn't very good, or again, it could be any random thing. Could be something that. Well, that was a good, that was a good night that night. When she says that was, mm -hmm. it was, no, it's all good. I said, yeah. great. So then we went to an after party with our CBS colleagues and it's a late night. Another reason I wasn't going to run off straight to Augusta. So we're heading back to our rooms and she looks at me lovingly and says, dad, you're still number one. And I <laughs> said, thank you, honey. I love you too. She goes, no, on Twitter. So <laughs> um, whatever that was worth. Yeah. No, it was, you got positive reaction after the tournament. You got positive reaction during the, I mean, the thing with the CW is people kind of liked it. Um, oh, I, I heard but, everybody thought it was what it was. It was a yeah. throwaway line yeah. and it was, maybe they were amused by it. I certainly didn't expect this to have any kind of life at all. Tell, Nor did I think again that we treated anybody in that tournament field any differently than anyone else. So by the way, Brooks Kepka is someone that I think if you ever pulled them aside and said, which member of the media or the, or the broadcast teams ever kind of identified you faster and showed you more respect. I think he would say it would be me because I, I, I'm going back to when he was starting his rush of four major championships in 23 months. And I always thought he wasn't getting the proper amount of attention and respect. So I certainly wasn't doing anything to make light of uh, what Brooks yeah. was doing. I will say this will be the last thing on, on anything related to live, but I, I had, Several people ask me, um, as, as someone who covers media, you know, I got questions on Twitter, I got emailed. The I got a lot of 
why didn't CBS cover Phil Mickelson more, show Phil Mickelson more? And obviously everyone assumes it's because he's with Liv. No. So I want to give you a chance to respond to that. I think uh, if you went back and looked at the full coverage on Sunday, including Sunday morning, the finishing up of the third round, uh, our guys were really on Phil. Part of it is the optics. When you look at a leaderboard at the end and you see that Phil's tied for second, you think, well, my gosh, they must have been on him all day. But with two holes to play, he was in like tied for fifth with eight other guys at six under par. And he happens to be facing two holes that you're lucky if you come through there unscathed, 17 and 18. Uh, and he had been covered up to that point. But th there was action happening everywhere. And the odds are, if you had to kind of make a prediction on it as he stood on the 17th tee, he probably is going to finish with one bogey on the last two holes. And he'll finish in the top 10. To Phil's enormous credit, he knocked it an inch at 17, made birdie. And we showed his entire playing of the second shot in at 17, his tee shot, second shot, but at 18. And all of a sudden, he finishes birdie, birdie. Um, and, I mean, it was a tremendous close by him. And everyone knows Phil's been a buddy of mine for a long time. Uh, there was no, no effort at all to conceal him or hide him at all. And again, I think if you're looking at a leaderboard when he was standing on 17 T, he's not even the low man in his group. He wasn't even when he stood on 18 T. He was one behind Spieth. So he still had to figure out a way to beat Spieth if he was going to have a chance to win a green jacket. Jordan happened to bogey the last hole, and Phil again made a wondrous birdie. And at the end, the leaderboard looks like, well, he should have gotten that much coverage because he finished second. But you don't know how it's all going to play out, wash out in the end. Um, right. There, there was no effort at all by anybody at CBS to treat anyone any differently. Okay, good. Um, I, I, I want to get back just to the rating thing on on Sunday. The there wasn't late drama. Rom had wrapped it up, you know, fairly early on Sunday. It wasn't there wasn't late drama in the last few holes, and obviously Tiger wasn't there, and you still got a big rating. Any any thoughts on why people tuned in so much on Sunday, despite the lack of, you know, getting going down to the last few holes and no tiger? What just, you know, why so many people? Do you think the live thing was a factor? Do you think, I don't know, it's Easter Sunday? No, I, I don't know. I think golf's on fire for yeah. golf. I yeah. think the sport is hot. I think the PGA Tour has recalibrated what its tour looks like. And I think we have new stars that people have latched on to. The game for a long time was primarily about Tiger, and understandably so. But now, um, you know, people have gotten to know the John Roms of the world. And, you know, Kepka not that long ago, was winning two majors a year for a couple of years. So um, it's interesting, though. The one thing I thought was interesting is that on Easter, whenever the Masters falls on Easter Sunday, you can almost bank on the rating being down. Right. You know, people That's just have family gatherings and they're not watching television. But when Phil won, interestingly, when Phil won in 04, it was a breakthrough event for him. He had never won a major. And when it went, when he won, then um, it was on Easter Sunday and the rating was low. You know, he had a tremendous following. You thought, well, it's yeah. got to add up. And it was to a big number. And, he, you know, he was he was he was dueling with Ernie Els and a little bit of David Duvall, but the rating was down because it was Easter. So right. I chalk it up to the fact that golf is gaining steam. It's a good thing. And, 
You know, ratings are interesting, Jimmy, in this regard. If you compare this rating to what we used to get at certain events, I know everything is down except right. the NFL. Right. So I, I'm 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 grateful that there was such an audience for it. I also think I don't know. This is my world, not your world. And I I said this last week about the women's NCAA double NCAA tournament, which got record ratings for them. And I think this is true of golf a little bit. I think. I think golf has helped a lot by the legalized gambling because mm. it actually is for someone like me, who's not a diehard golf fan who's in and out every week, I can make some bets on Thursday morning and it keeps me interested for four days. There's no question. It helps. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of people don't like to go there, but I, I definitely, and I, I find golf a great sport for betting because it, you can bet a couple you could bet three or four guys to win it, top five, top ten, and then you're invested for four days. It's a good match, the betting with the with the golf, I think. Well, let's take you as a very uh, small sample size. How much more golf do you watch now than you did three years ago before you were gambling on golf? Well, if I if if I just like I I made a, you know four or five wagers on the Masters, and then I was watching it here and there over the, you know like you said it was Easter, yeah. so Sunday was tough. But yeah, it was it was it was on. If I was home, it was on. Well, I was it's, checking it's, my phone all during Easter all dinner. For- the NFL for a long time didn't know how to embrace this thing called fantasy football that was gaining popularity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the league in, embraced it. And of course the leagues also embraced all of the, the draft Kings and fan duels, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's one of the reasons why the NFL has never lost an audience. In fact, has gained an audience. So uh, I think your point's good. I actually haven't heard heard anybody make that point before and i think it's uh it's got merit yeah i'm not saying millions of people are tuning in because they're betting on it but it's uh the way you can bet with you know the for instance i use DraftKings. they offer you could bet a guy to win it finish in the top five finish in the top 10 they it's a very good sport to bet from the it, it makes it a lot of fun when you can do it that way and i think that you know, I think that adds something to it. I'm not saying that's the reason for a big rating, but mm-hmm. I don't think people should discount it as one reason. I, I think we're, we'll have are involved in a fantasy golf league, kind of like the NFL, yeah. where they pick one player a week. They can't use the guy, but one time the whole season. And that thing, to your point, it keeps them interested. They've got a guy to follow all week long. Right. And, right. Um, and they're trying to gain as many points as they can for the overall season standings. But I think that's got merit. I do. But listen, the Masters is it's an amazing event. The undertaking there to provide uh, all that coverage in concert with ESPN. We were I'm I'm, I'm trying to emphasize here. We were on the air or recording live to tape, as we call it, for a ton of time. And, um, you know, I love it because I'm into every single shot. And um, I'm really proud of the effort that that our team put together. Um, it was uh, extraordinary. Uh, marching up and down, take our technical team, marching up and down, hard course to walk. We saw it with Tiger. And um, I'm always just amazed at um, at how our crew does it. They, they I, are, I, they- I want to get into Tiger in a second, but just to wrap it up, every, you know, sports fans always like to know, always get into the final line from Jim Nance at a tournament. For this one, you had from sunrise to sunset, Rom wins the Masters Marathon. Mm-hmm. When did you come up with that? Were you happy with that? Break it down for us because everyone loves well, the, the gymnast wrap-up. I knew I had said Masters Marathon, but I, mm-hmm. 
I went on YouTube last night trying to find um, the broadcast and I, I couldn't find it because I wanted to kind of see how that last part was handled. Again, I'm not working with uh, notes in front of me. I just speak from lift up a little bit from right here and right mm -hmm. here. So I knew I had said master's marathon and that came to me really late because I thought that would help define what that year was about. A lot of times the line is about trying to give it a narrative that years later, when you see that winning putt, it sparks a memory of what that event was about. Oh, that was the master's marathon. That was the year where they had all the starts and stops and the weather delays and, and all of that. So master's marathon was a nice alliteration. Uh, the sun, sunrise sun, to sunset, sunrise to sunset. You know, I would have not been able to tell you that I said that, but uh, hmm. I think that was a preamble to the call. I don't think that was over the pot. I think that was at some point on 18 green. I don't know where, but it's, it felt um, in that case, it felt organic. So it was, yep. it was good. It just kind of came to me at that time. And uh, we should, we have to mention tiger. I mean, that was a rough scene at oh. the end there. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I saw that. Did CBS show that? Because when I saw it on Twitter, it didn't look like it was from. I don't know if CBS showed it. Did you call that? Because I don't I, I should know that, but I don't. When they showed him limping off and in agony, were you calling that live that when that happened? Part of, that was part of. Um, my, my days are so cross pollinated. Yeah, yeah. here. I, that was I think that was Saturday morning. Yeah, it would have been Saturday yeah. morning when we were finishing up on our espn coverage our extra coverage on saturday morning um we show i know we showed him make a double at 16 and i can't recall whether or not his second shot of the 17 was actually shown live i know we put it back on the air to um, document his his withdrawal from the tournament when we came on the cbs show on saturday afternoon what's your point on that that it's no. just you know yeah, I, I just because I, I, I remember seeing the clip on Twitter and it yeah. was rough. I mean, it was rough to watch. What do you think the future is for Tiger? What do, I mean, can, oh. I mean, is he done? Is he can he you know, does he need time to recover? I mean, it sounds like that leg injury is not going to get better. It sure looks like that. I mean, I, I know no one's going to effort it more than he will to try to get whatever it is he needs to do. Uh, to be able to walk normally again, but he has a plantar fasciitis issue, which I think was what was really acting up there. Of course, that has been spawned by all the microsurgery he had on that foot, on that right foot, where I think it broken like a hundred small fissures and micro fractures. So uh, it was painful to look at, to see him uh, walking like that as the rain was driving in his face and, and, and he could barely even limp back to get underneath an umbrella uh, after hitting a second shot of 17. And I can't imagine that's the last shot in competition he's ever going to hit at Augusta. He can't go out that way, hitting a shot on a Saturday morning in a driving rainstorm short of the 17th green. Uh, now, having said that, Tiger only wants to play when he thinks he has a chance to win. That's always been something he stood by. He only plays if he thinks he can win. Going into the Masters week, everyone knew that Saturday was going to be Armageddon as far as the weather. Right. And that never that that never wavered. So as people were making predictions about what Tiger would do, to me, it was pretty obvious he was going to, if he made the cut, Saturday was going to be problematic because Augusta has so much elevation um, variance that the up and down and then walking heavy-footed, if you will, in all the 
muddy conditions. Uh, I never thought that was going to set up for a very good week for him. And it's interesting. I'm looking ahead to the next major, which is on top of us in a month at beautiful Oak Hill in Rochester, the PGA Championship. This is a major that had been originally um, awarded when it was still an August major, when the weather would be hot and great in Rochester. Then the PGA made the shift to go to a May event. And May is, we're all waiting to see what that week's going to look like weather-wise. It could yeah. be rain, it could be cold. Um, it could be very difficult for Tiger again. Uh, I, I, I hope he's going to play there, and I, I hope the weather holds up for him to have a chance to compete. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so dumb to play doctor and try to assess someone's injuries. But it just if you saw what you saw, it's like it's hard to believe he'd be better in a month. I mean, he looked like he was really struggling, but who knows? Um, that was rough. That was rough. It was rough. And, yep. you know, the game is, is, is now in the hands of this 20-something brigade. This was the seventh straight major won by a golfer in his 20s. A stretch that started with Rom at the 21 U.S. Open and has gotten to seven with Rom's win at Augusta. And in between, whether it's Cam Smith or Kyle Morikawa, whoever it is, there have been seven straight majors that have been won by a golfer in their 20s. Tiger is 47. So and he's 47. His body's broken down. Yeah. He, he knows that. I mean, he put on the greatest exhibition of golf for about 20 years you could ever imagine. But I just don't think that that's the way he can go out uh, at Augusta by uh, yeah. limping back to his bag and not even being on the finishing hole. And I look, he played at L.A. this year. It's the only other tournament he's competed in at Riviera which was a designated event. So it had all the top guns there and he made the cut. And on Saturday, he shot 67, which was one of the low rounds of the day. So he's still got the ability. The question is, can his body hold up for four days and can the conditions hold up where he's able to give it his best efforts? Right. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's switch gears now to the tournament. Uh, your last time calling the tournament. 
give me um i mean you did 32 title games mm. which is just a remarkable run tell me what the last weekend was like for you was it sad was it i mean you, you this was your decision you want to spend more time with your kids but was it i'm gonna miss this or was it it's time to go what was what was going through your head that final weekend no regrets i never thought um did i make the right decision should i have maybe waited a little longer none of that i was overwhelmed with gratitude at the outpouring so what was the week like i got in on wednesday and uh, started to prepare for the games because I knew it was going to be tougher the closer I got to the semifinal Saturday. And on Thursday night, CBS threw a dinner in my honor that had so many of my colleagues through the years uh, and present-day colleagues. Um, obviously, Raft and Grant and Tracy were there, and Mark Wolf, our producer and Mark Grant, our director, and Bob Fishman and his wife, Margaret, he retired last year after 40 Final Fours, legendary director. He was just the first director to ever receive the Director Guild of America, the DGA's Lifetime Achievement Award, first sports director ever to receive an honor that big. He flew in for that dinner. Greg Gumbel was there, um, Clark Kellogg, um, Seth Davis. I mean, the production ranks, we have about... I don't know, somewhere between 80 and 100 people maybe, and they played a video with all these tributes from people in college basketball. I mean, I was really touched. Now, Friday, I'm still kind of overwhelmed by that, and I'm just blindsided all of a sudden. I've got the mayor of Houston uh, comes up behind me. I happen to be standing on the court, and they make a presentation, and they named uh, April the 1st Jim Nance Day in Houston. Now, I wasn't sure if this was an April Fool's joke for a while, right. but <laughs> it held up. Uh, and they gave me the key to the city. Um, so that's what the week was like behind the scenes. Saturday night after the two games, including a buzzer beater, Lamont Butler hitting the shot for uh, San Diego State to beat Florida Atlantic. We had a party. I've always had a party on um, Saturday night at the Final Four. It's a tradition that I've loved and cherished, hosting about 100 people. And um, it was uh, an incredible gathering again. And I had people from the basketball world who were there. Uh, and my university, uh, like Kelvin Sampson, our coach at Houston, uh, and our athletic director, Chris Pesman. So it was uh, it was just like my heart was swelling with uh, appreciation. And um, it kind of continued that way. My, uh, Sunday night, one of the great dinners of the year is Raf throws a dinner. And it's not going to be short when it's Raf because everybody's <laughs> going to talk and everybody's going to drink a little wine. And I needed a good night's sleep. but it, And it went from 6.30 to 12.00. We had Jay Billis there. We had Jay Wright there. I mean, it was uh, it was amazing. Tracy and Grant and a lot of other people from the basketball community. And I mean, I didn't want the night to end. And I, that's the thing: as the week goes on, you realize this is the stuff you're going to miss. Right. We've right. all kind of as as people who cover others and their shining moments, we always kind of get tired of them saying, "Well, you know, what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the locker room." You know, well, what does that mean? I mean? It sounds like a cliche. Well, mm -hmm. I was living that. In my locker room being just, uh, if you will, uh, an analogy to my teammates and my gathering with people. And I, I'm going to miss that. But in the end, uh, I I felt like I left it at the right time. It was in Houston, which is where I wanted it to be. And, um, and from the key to the city and to all the friends and family tributes, I didn't even mention family gatherings on the side down in Houston. It was one of the great weekends of my life. And... Um, 
I look forward to sitting back and watching it, watching Ian and Raft and Grant and Tracy do their thing. He's going to be great. He'll make it, you know, he'll take it to the next generation and iteration of what that looks like. I'm thrilled for him. And I had a great ride. I think I may have told you this, Jimmy, before, but when I when I got the job long ago, I got asked at one of the first seminars that I attended, how long you know, would I like to do this for? Did I ever think about maybe setting the record? You're young enough. I was 31 years old. You think you'll ever have a chance to break the record for the most calls of a Final Four? Of course, I asked, what was the record? I had a pretty good idea, but it was three great broadcasters who shared the record at six each, Gowdy, <laughs> Inberg, and Musburger. I mean, that is... Six. That is an incredible group of, of three legendary broadcasters. Uh, I thought, man, if I could ever get to six, and I, I, at least I can somehow figuratively rub company. shoulders with them. Yeah. And I still want to be able to figuratively rub shoulders with them. I idolize these, these, these great broadcasters. Anyway, I got the 32. So we blew that number out of the water. Not that I was trying to, but it's not a mark that probably anybody cares about. I'm not even sure I do, but it gave me a chance to uh, appreciate the longevity of it all. And also realize that don't feel sorry for me that it's over. The old Vince Scully, Dr. Seuss line, let's be happy for the times we had together. Yeah. If there was one thing that people kept saying to me over and over again, is I was the soundtrack to their viewing of the NCAA tournament for years and, and they're going to miss it. And uh, that, that just meant a lot. But I'm just grateful for the time that I had. It was a long, long, glorious run of good times, the good times. And I couldn't help but think about Billy Packer throughout this because um, I lost Billy in January. Recently, yeah. Recently yeah, he, he died January 26th. Yeah. I had this, this idea months ago when it, the word first filtered out. I would like Billy to be there. That last night, he was the most. Um, the analyst you work with the most. No, no, but he was the least nostalgic guy you'd ever meet in your life, Jimmy. Right, like, right, right. Bill, Billy loved history of basketball, but oddly in his life, he wasn't a nostalgic guy. Now, I'm a very nostalgic guy. And it's not because I like to be melancholy or maudlin about things. My, my nostalgia comes out of appreciation for the past. Anyway, I had this idea that. Maybe I can get Billy to come down like Fish did, Fishman at the dinner. And when I walk off that floor that night, I, I could be watching one shining moment with Billy and my daughter. We, they have a ritual. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he, he passed away. I knew by November that Billy's health was not going to be good enough to make it. So I never extended the invitation. And then, uh, and then we lost him. But, do you know, I did the game Saturday night. I had um, a picture by by the monitor right in front of me and my mom and dad. I know this is going to sound a little weird. It's mm. just the way I'm wired, so forgive me, folks. But I had my mom and dad. My mom had passed away in October, October the 3rd, six months to the day to the championship game. All I wanted, she knew two years ago, as I did, that this was going to be my farewell. She was physically and mentally fine, except she had lost her mobility from some falls. So she was in a wheelchair. But I knew I could get her to the stadium and get her to come to one last event. She used to attend more events of mine than anybody ever took their mom on a trip. I, I actually used to think, I wonder what my colleagues think. He's always traveling his mother around. 
but I love for her to be able to experience her son's life. Right. Uh, so golf events, final fours, football games. I mean, oh, Mrs. Nance, everybody, every production person at CBS through the years knew, knew my mom because she was a regular. Uh, anyway, she traveled less in recent years, and I wanted her to be there that last night, and she missed out by six months. So I had a picture of my folks, and it was it was a picture that every time I looked at a monitor, I felt like they were looking at me. It was looking right at me. And um, Monday night, CBS had made up these pictures for the dinner, um, mini posters kind of on cardboard and beautifully uh, mounted. And I took three of them, and I actually had them taped to the desk because I put my board down on top of it. The board moves around a lot, but I wanted them to be represented right, right in front of me. So I had to my right, with Grant sitting to my right, I had a picture with Raft and Grant and Tracy. And in the middle, I had the crew that I worked with the longest, which was Bob Dekas, Bob Fishman, and Billy with me. And then over here to my left was just a picture with Billy. And um, I had them repped at the desk, not for any publicity stunt um right. yeah, i'm telling you about it now because it's a nice time. touch yeah but it's i felt really... like they were with me you know it was yeah. a, it was an important event for me to feel like i'm doing it with them and um i wore a tie that represents my father and then i had a actual tie that belonged to my stats man pat mcgrath who died on the eve he... of the tournament of a heart attack wow um and he was with i was with pat i like to say i was by his side for 30 years and I'm still just crushed um, and baffled by how this could happen as far as the timing of it all right yeah. before the tournament started. But I had Pat's tie jammed in there um, as a pocket square. So, um, and I got to call the game and um, no regrets. Perfect. I like the way you did that. That's great. Um, I mean, the only regret that you can't control, and you won't say this, but I, I'm sure you wish you had a little bit of a better Final Four and Final Game there. I mean, it was not the best tournament. Would you agree? Or am I being too negative? Well, it, hmm. it, let's take that first part. Wasn't the best tournament. A well, tournament. let me just say, uh, let me just, I'll, I'll okay. say this. It, you know, one of the themes, and I'd be curious for your take on this, that emerged. It's been, I mean, this theme has been there for years, but this year especially. Everyone loves the underdogs, but then when it gets down to like the elite eight, uh, me personally, you know, I find college basketball fascinating. The tournament is the best event. You cannot, the tournament is this special piece of Americana. It's the best event in sports. The games are exciting because they're close. Most of them, when you get two good teams, the quality of play is so bad. It's scary. I mean, it's nothing but missed layups, missed free throws, and 5,000 three-pointers. It's not, it's not exact, but because both teams are like that, the games are close and then they're exciting. So, but then you get to the Elite Eight and you want, you want some of those bigger teams in closer games. That's, that's really what it's about, no? Well, let me just uh, go ahead. There's uh, a lot there. Take a little bit of what you said. Yeah. Obviously, the talent level was not the NBA, but the passion and the uh, intensity level is. See, everyone says the passion, the but I don't need an eight-minute scoring drought in every game. It's, yeah, it, but look how hard they're playing defensively. 
Mm, I guess. And, and I'm not saying the NBA doesn't play defense, but I was watching the Lakers and T-Wolves last night. Right. And you actually saw, because their season's on the line, how many times were balls stolen and then Michael Conley making plays, Mike Conley stealing inbounds passes. Like, where's that all season yeah. long? You know, LeBron so, had a great steal late in that game, too. Yeah, LeBron. Yeah. People can throw stats at me and, and whatnot. Yeah. But it doesn't quite feel the same. And I understand you, you've got to pace yourself through a season. Um, I, I think that the tournament, you were pretty close to my definition of it. The tournament is a slice of Americana. I love the fact that you said that because I, I, I love that. I believe that. I believe everybody's given a chance. So what I think makes it great is not that they're just close games. It's the fact that there are upsets and there are unexpected storylines and that a Florida Atlantic can actually make it to the final four is, is phenomenal. Yeah. It just so happened to be one of those years where we, in, in some respects, Miami was a five seed. So that's, you don't think of the ACC regular season champion as an underdog, but they beat the one and they beat the two in their regional bracket to get there. So you had all of these Cinderella storylines coming in, probably more than we've, we've ever had. So was it the, the sexiest or most marquee collection of four teams? No, but were it, was it rich in storylines? Yes. And as uh, someone who's paid to tell stories and document stories, I love it. As I said, when you were talking about the Masters, I don't get hung up in numbers, rating numbers and things like that. I'm going to do it the same, whether there's one or 100 million people watching. Um, I loved it. Uh, I would have liked a little tighter game on Monday night, but you could right. see as, as the season, as the postseason progressed, that no one was going to beat UConn. They were, they, I mean, they ran right. I, I don't. I can't remember seeing a team like that just run right through the tournament like that, where they just blow everybody out. That was unbelievable. I think that team could have competed in a lot of years during yeah. the tournament against anybody. Right. I think they gelled that much. Danny did a phenomenal job getting that team to peak at the right time. And the way they moved without the ball, um, I mean, they had a look. what came in off the bench, the kind of reinforcement. Um, I think that was a great team, a great team that lost eight games during the season, all yeah. inside of the league and went through that one cold snap where they went two and six. But uh, that was a great team, and they were clearly uh, the best team in the country in my By mind. Far. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I want to do two quick NFL things before I let you go. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to just circle back to the Masters. Were you made it all aware this week there was a, a minor league baseball announcer for the West Michigan Whitecaps. His name is Dan Hasty, and he called an at-bat as if it was the Masters. I've, I've you, seen that done before, by the way. You I have? Okay. Yeah, well, I, he did I, it. I did it last year, so um, or maybe the year before. Okay, this that- guy did it brilliantly. I want to play you like 20 seconds of this clip and get your reaction. I'm glad you haven't heard it because I want to get you fresh. Shelby's going to roll the clip and I'll, I'll tell Shelby when to stop it. But I right. thought this was great. Shelby, whenever you're ready, this yeah. is uh, Dan Hasty of the West Michigan Whitecaps. He did this on, on Monday. I bl- uh, Oh, no, on Saturday. He did it on Saturday. Hello, friends. <laughs> Beautiful Saturday afternoon in Comstock Park. <laughs> this is inning number seven. Still in the front nine, if you will. <laughs> Love it. 
Eric Pinales hails from San Cristobal. <laughs> it's about 30 kilometers from Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Right now looking at a pitch from about 60 feet, 6 inches. No idea how that one stayed out. All right, we could right. we could we could kill it now. So how Good good damn. is that? How good, good is that? Uh, I hope he gets to hear the fact that you ran it on on your podcast. That was brilliant, my friend. Um, to have the Augusta melody, I, I don't think anybody's ever done that before with the yeah. Augusta melody. So that was very clever. That was great. That was great. By the way, the Augusta melody—that's that undercurrent to the tournament that sets yeah. a mood. Yeah. So I'm going to give you some factoids on that, Jimmy. Okay. Go ahead. That was um, that was an idea and a concept that came from Frank Trichinian, who had a profound influence on my career and my life. And he was the father of golf television. And I was fortunate enough to land in his hands at the age of 26. And he tough loved me like you could not believe. You know, yelled, screamed, but I knew all the while um, he was trying to he was trying to help me and mold me into what he thought a golf anchor should be. And I loved Frank. And I got to present him into the World Golf Hall of Fame and deliver a eulogy at his memorial service. And I mean, really, really close to Frank. He died in 2011. He came up with the idea that Augusta should have its own music. Well, now think about I mean, Wimbledon has its own soundtrack that when you hear it, you think, oh, that's right, it's Wimbledon. Well, Frank was ahead of his time. So the artist that he got to record the Augusta theme uh, was Dave Loggins. And Dave Loggins wrote it and, and orchestrated and created it. It's the brother of Kenny Loggins. If you know that name from the past, Loggins. Sure. And the yeah. So um, there were there are lyrics to that song. And in fact, when I first started calling the Masters in 1986, we'd go to break and the music would play with with um, one of the stanzas with lyrics. So Augusta, your dogwoods and pines, they play on my mind like a song. And, and, and that's that 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 perfect if you will uh symphonic sound to it all so i hear it and i think now because it's been part of the presentation of it it's just it's people get married to it i get so many requests in a year that if if, if um i could introduce a couple for their first dance and their first dances these are these are just strangers they use and that I, song I, for their first dance i fulfilled huh? every request i think wow and they play that song. That song strikes a chord with people. Yeah. And yeah. I know it's kind of funny because you think of how, like in a baseball game, you would never drop there to that kind of storytelling. Right. But the reality is, and even though it's 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 uh, satired here, how else would you call a golf tournament? Would you call a golf tournament? Let's put, you know, let's flip it the other way. Would you call a golf tournament like it's a football game? You know, you wouldn't do that. Right. So I get asked that question a lot. Like, how do you go from the intensity of Monday night and you're pitching your voice? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I said about the Huskies now. I thought I had it in my head here. But when clock struck zero there. Yeah, I can't remember. The Huskies, Hurley and the Huskies have it something, something. Yeah. But anyway. Well, you just. If I brought you, that to Augusta. Yeah. It wouldn't fit, you know. what I'm saying right. you blend right. it with the environment that you have. Sure. And, and then the uh, other, the other environment 
that you work in is the NFL, which is nothing like Augusta or the tournament. Yeah, but so I, I love the, 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 the diversity of the kind of events that I have to cover. Right. Sure, I'm sure. Dexterity. Yeah. And, and it's truly, truly classical yeah. storytelling to me comes in golf because and people that aren't golfers say, what's he talking about? But in games, there's just so much action that you have like 20 seconds in between snaps or in basketball, you have even less. And it's on to the next play. There's a replay or whatever it is. There's a story in between each of those snaps. There's a window of time in golf. You have long stretches and I'm, I'm just proud of our entire crew. Uh, Our, you know, our, our production team, as I mentioned before, and technical team are phenomenal. And our announcers, they I mean the ability to tell stories in, in that format. It, I think, it, I think it's a great challenge. It's underappreciated by people that aren't called followers. And it's, uh, I'm really proud of what everybody did there. Two NFL things before I let you go. Gotcha. We've talked, we've talked many times about the strict CBS, AFC, Fox, NFC thing. Now there's cross flex, so it's not as prevalent as it once was. But as the lead voice of CBS, I'm sure you're going to be very happy when the Aaron Rodgers trades get through. And we'll see you in New York many, many times with Tony in the upcoming season. I think that's a, if that's, is that a question or that's not one of your it's two just, questions? Well, yeah, that's I, what, one, one point is Aaron Rodgers yeah. to the Jets. You look at that and you say, okay, we're going to be doing a lot more Jet games this year. I expect probably week one we'll have the Jets on our schedule and we'll be doing, we haven't done, like we haven't been in the Jets company um, much in, in these recent years, if at all. Yeah. Um, Dan Weinberg is uh, is a guy in Best Barnes. They, 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 they work on our scheduling and all of our sports for around the clock and you know, a lot of people have their fingerprints on how the schedule goes, but Dan lives it all the time. And I, I can assure you that if this thing comes together, which we know it is, that the right. Jets are get a lot of coverage. They'll get a lot of coverage. I'll be spending a lot of time up there. And, um, you know, the, the schedule comes out in early May. Right. It's going to be different this year, Jimmy. So I just want to warn you. And, yeah. and it's not well, really designated anymore. CBS, AFC, Fox, right. and going to be kind of left open so that cross flex idea is going to be a little bit washed away it's going to be the next iteration of what that looks like um so it's going to be i think our schedule will be richer than it's ever and it is amazing the afc is so stacked compared to the nfc i mean you've got the the chiefs yeah you got the chiefs you have the bills you have the Bengals. now if the the jets get rogers the Patriots with Belichick is always a thing. I mean, the AFC is just well, you got, stacked. You got Justin Herbert out in Los Angeles, who, right? It, you know, you know he's going to win big. He's going to. That's just yeah. he's going to have Kellen Moore now. As his Denver now team. has Sean Payton over there, so maybe they got Sean Payton and Denver. Hey, you got Lamar. You know, this Lamar. thing hopefully sort itself yep. out. You got Deshaun Watson at Cleveland. I it mean, it, it, and by the way, we're ignoring Trevor Lawrence. Right, you got, right. You Another got Trevor, one. You got sure. Trevor Lawrence in in Jacksonville. They were a playoff team this year, yeah. and what we saw this year he can play. And Miami's so, a player with two and, and yeah, it goes on yeah. and on. It's just so stacked. Yeah, in terms yeah. of the interest level, the marquee, the stars of the game, uh, we're loaded, and yeah. you're getting fired up already about the yeah. fall. It's a well, Super Bowl for us, by the way, Jimmy. So it's yeah. Las Vegas. You want you I, want so we can record. Let's see. This is April. We're recording this on April the twelfth. 
12th. I was going to say the 11th. Yeah. April 12th. I'm going to give you my April 12th Super Bowl pick. Oh, please. I get asked during the season, who do you like? And I'll never make a pick during the season because I got to call the games. Yeah. Okay. So please don't take this wrong in Kansas City. Don't take this any other way in Philadelphia. But I, our game is going to be Buffalo against Dallas in Las Vegas. Ooh. Oh, well, first of all, if you get Dallas in a Super Bowl, <laughs> I'm sure that you'll be rooting hard for that. Uh, Buffalo, you know, I'm worried about Buffalo. I thought that was a weird regression they had last year. And it's interesting you say Buffalo because I think a lot of people are going to go with Cincinnati because I feel like people think Cincinnati is yeah, now going to take that step. At all. I mean, I'm just being somewhat facetious here, but I've been asked at some speaking engagements who's going, what are the teams to watch next year? Yeah. So just to be consistent and putting it out there so that when Buffalo we are down. leading into the Super Bowl next year, you pull this clip and you'll say, right. damn, you had it back in April when we talked. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go Chiefs. I think they're going to go until they get dethroned. I'm not going to believe that they're yeah, done. I, I think and I, I, it's I, I, obviously I think the Chiefs are the team to beat uh, yeah. Andy and Patrick and the whole thing. I just if I said Kansas City right now, you would not react to this. There'd be no sizzle. No, I would so, say you're smart for saying Kansas City because I think I think it's going. I, my prediction for next year will be Kansas City. And who knows in the in the Niners? Well, we're playing. We're playing the Niners. Back I'll, we'll have a replay. We'll have a replay of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. Kansas City, San Fran. San Fran's ready for the next elevation. Who knows where their quarterback's going to be? But that's going to say who's going to quarterback him. With Christian McCaffrey there now for a full season, I think that team is ready to go. I know what you're saying about Buffalo. I, I think that. There was so much emotional wear and tear in the playoffs okay. with the Demar situation, yeah. Yeah. and they went through a ton. You know, uh, praying for their teammate and being eyewitnesses to that near uh, death experience. And um, I, I, I think they were exposed in that game against Cincinnati. And by the way, again, I don't mean to slight Cincinnati all because I love what uh, what they're doing there. The coach is great. The quarterback's great. Um, I'm just kind of just throwing something up there against the wall, yeah. but I, I could see it happening. But Buffalo needs a little help with the pass rush. They 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 just did against the patchwork Cincinnati offensive line that day. Uh, it was like they were playing on skates in in a bad weather game. They should have been able to do more, and uh, they're going to have to. Of course, Von Miller, if he's healthy, would have could have completely changed that game. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm. There's, I thought you were going to talk schedule with me, so maybe that's your next question. No, my next question, I, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but if I, you're here, I got to do it. You know, Tony got beat up pretty good last year, I, and I, I have my own feelings on it about whether it was justified or whether it sort of become, I thought it became sort of a let's pile on type of thing. Were you guys aware that Tony had gotten beat up pretty good from not just people on Twitter, it was people in the industry. Yeah, and. I think by, Go ahead. By, by the other Go ahead. way around, what you just said. I think there was a little bit of a misinformation um, attempt there to portray him um, in a not so favorable light. It was very disappointing. Uh, it really got to me um, more steam kind of after the AFC Championship game, which was our last game. And I, for the life of me, I didn't understand it. Tony is the best. He's the absolute best, and he's also one of my best friends. I love the guy. And when somebody starts questioning our chemistry, there's an agenda there. Um, 
there is nothing wrong with our chemistry. I've never had better chemistry with anybody in my career than, than with Tony. Um, all you have to do is sit in the booth with us, which people that are covering our business, they're always uh, welcome to come in and take a look at how, how we interact between the two of us on the air, off the air, between plays. Uh, it's amazing. And um, I'm not worried about it. Here's what I don't get is where was all this outcry during the season? It's not like we were invisible. Um, well, you know, everything's elevated in the playoffs. You're standalone game. And- no, no, no. I think it, I think that just, um, it, I don't, I can't explain. Well, why. I do think, I do think a lot of it became a pile on effect and oh, I thought it, it, it became was. the cool thing to Tony. Is, Tony. Tony's amazing. Don't ask everybody to be the same, by the way. You know, Tony right. does it his own way. And I'm talking presentation and, and everything. And Tony has his way of watching a game and it's fun. Uh, there's a magnetism with Tony. There's an excitement. It's real. Um, our, our friendship is real. Um, you know, we're doing games during the season, like Buffalo and Kansas city, not a whimper, by the way, that was, those were, those were playoff ratings. We did a Thanksgiving day game was the most watched game of the year. I think in the regular season one or two, anyway, we did a, we, we had the Christmas afternoon game, hundred percent national gigantic audience. We didn't do any of these games in January any different than we did during the regular season. So I, why I, sudden are people like taking cheap shots? I don't get it. I, don't I get do it. think I, this was we'll, a factor. We'll, I think we'll there ready. was a, people there was a mate. I, I think there was a major emergence during the postseason for Greg Olson and people are wired in that they won't just say Greg Olson's great. They then turn it into Greg Olson's doing a good job. He's better than Romo. Like they, that is, I don't, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying, I think that's what a lot of it was. It could be. I don't know. I'm not overthinking it. I can't wait to be back with them. That's um, we had 21 weeks of pure pleasure and preparing for these games and calling them together. It's so much fun. And by the way, if you really want to look at it through the course of the season, I think I think it speaks for itself what the public says about about Tony. You know, you're boiling it down to so what maybe some media observers say and what Twitter says. But I mean, all I ever hear about from people is how much they love the team, they love Tony, and um, we're going to have a great season. And uh, I, I have so much respect for him and what he's done and what he's done to elevate the NFL and the excitement of the NFL. Um, and Tracy, by the way, I don't want to not have her part of the team. She's, she's the best. And um, I'm looking forward to it. That's all I can say. Looking forward to Super I, Bowl. I, don't. I can't, we can't control what other people want to say, but it's interesting what you just said about trying to maybe because Greg was getting a lot of good props. Good for him. One is not related to the other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, it, it, what's interesting about it for me is when Tony came on and became a smash hit, it, a lot of it was Tony's different. Tony's different. And now people are using Tony being different as a way to knock Tony, which I find. Tony's going to be doing it for a long time. And yeah. we are um, we, we, we are a good team and we're, we're going to have a ball with this season. I can promise you. I, love, I don't want to wrap on a negative. I'm going to ask you a really weird question. I don't consider here. it a negative. I consider All right, it a good. I'm going to yeah. ask you a weird, weird question here. Mm-hmm. The one sport you don't call is baseball. Yeah. With the pitch clock now, 
Tell me what you think the announcers are going through in terms of in baseball where they had so much time to fill with their stories and now they have no time. Are you as an announcer, have you thought about, even though you don't call baseball, has that been <laughs> something you've thought about or paid attention to? I'm just curious. I don't know what where you stand with baseball, but the pitch clock's become like this massive story. And what's not talked about is how it's affected, I think, play-by-play guys. I, I lo- as, as a premier play-by-play guy, I'd love you to talk about that. Well, I thank you for that. But the season started on Final Four weekend. And then, of course, it was the Masters. And I have not caught a game yet. So I'm aware of it, of course. I'm aware there's a story out there. And uh, I look forward to, in the coming weeks, having some time to sit back and see how much it it differs from what it used to be in the past, what it feels like. Uh, I'm sure for people that have done it for a long time, it's got to feel um, a little out of body right now, calling games uh, in a different kind of format. Yeah, because you talked about telling the stories at the Masters. I mean, baseball is the ultimate tell the stories during the game. You know, sport yeah, I mean, too. baseball and golf have always been the, the, the storytelling uh, sports that, that gives you the time and space to be able to to do what you need to do and use what you prepared for and show off your skill level as a, as a wordsmith or how whatever you want to call it. It's uh, yeah. it's the closest. Those sports are the closest to presenting almost like a fireside chat kind of conversation with your viewer and having that connection. Um, versus versus all the rest, but baseball is um, is something for me that I tried to do a game one time. I may have told you this, but I did a Cracker Jack old timers game for CBS in 1988, and uh, I was the I wasn't just the host; I was kind of like the lead play by play guy, and I had two analysts, both of whom had called baseball for their whole careers: Bill White, oh sure, okay, and Mel Allen. Oh wow. He was an analyst for you. They, they were, I called it and they were the analyst. All right. Now I was 28 years old. You talk about being in the wrong place <laughs> uh, and not being qualified. I'm a 28 year old kid, yeah. six years out of college. And I'm, I grew up listening to Bill White. I love Bill White. Sure. You know, with the scooter and yep. Bill Rizzuto and, and, um, all those Yankee games on WPIX during the day, during the summer days. And I was in awe of him and sitting on my other side was Mel Allen. That's wild. And what am I doing here? This yeah, was, yeah. uh, this was a faux pas to ever put me in that position. And I was scarred by it. I got through it. I got through it, but I realized right then and there that I was never going to do another baseball game because it was such a frightening experience. At one time, uh, Henry Aaron came up to the plate. Again, it's an old-timers all-star game. It was in Washington. And they had 50,000, whatever, sold out. And I introduced uh, Hank Aaron you know, coming up to the plate as, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but I made some allusion to him being the greatest player of all time, with the home run king, the RBI king, and all this. And I know that was an overstatement. We got to commercial and Bill White said to me, you sure you want to say that about Hank Aaron? I said, what's that? He said, you basically just said he's the greatest player of all time. And I said, well, he said, I'm just saying it. I'm not saying he's not. He's definitely in the discussion. But, you know, we got Willie Mays here today. You know, we had, you know, Sandy Koufax was pitching. Uh, you know, we had all of these incredible legendary names of the game. And he was just looking at a young broadcaster and trying to rein him in a little bit. Yeah. And rightfully so. 
and that was it that marked the end um that marked the end of my baseball career i ended the broadcast by saying thank you for being my friend and that was it (laughs) (laughs) well the end of the baseball career we just had the end of the college basketball career but you know, I, I still saw a couple of people when, you know, there's a lot made of you not doing the tournament anymore after this year. You know, is Jim still calling football? Is Jim, Jim will call football and golf for a long, long, yeah. long time on CBS. So don't worry. He's there with the NFL on CBS and the golf on CBS. What's, what's the next what do you, What's the next assignment for Jim Nance now? We have the RBC Heritage this weekend in Hilton Head. So uh, no rest after this. No re- well, weeks. You know, I've had a couple of days to recover around here uh, in my home, but uh, I'm heading down shortly and it should be a golf event. And we have the PGA championship next month, the second major right. in golf. And uh, in the meantime, I'm anxious to see the draft as a fan. I'm anxious to see the schedule release as a fan. And I can't wait to get back in the booth and, and with uh, Rick off and Mike Arnold and our team and, and uh, have just a, whole season full of laughs and good times with with tony and tracy and the crew so that's that's all it is um maybe yeah. you'll come back in it maybe you'll come back when the schedule release uh comes out we, we love doing that you know i talk schedule we, we've always yeah. had fun talking schedule yeah. i love uh, that I, would, I, I you know i look at that when when i get the uh printout of it i examine every week and you know some of these are automatics that you know we're going to have now there's some games that I could tell you right now. I hope we have primarily like uh, you know, involving Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati. What's this Jet thing going to look like? Um, but well, it, you also, you, I'm sure you're not happy too now because Monday night's getting flexed this year, and now there's talk of Thursday night getting flexed. That affects you. We'll be all right. Yeah, we've, we've got we got we got a group of people that know how to put this thing together, and the league's not going to leave us bare. Uh, I think there's a good enough a supply of games to go around, and we can always protect. Don't forget, right. we can always protect the game every week, so they're not going to take our best game. Right. So that's uh, important. We'll be, we'll yeah. be just fine. And yeah. it's all roads to Las Vegas. Tony and I are going to go out to uh, L.A. in early May and do some things out there, have some fun together. And um, uh, there's an event that CBS wants us to attend about the upcoming football season. Tracy will be there too. And, um, yeah, I'm starting to think about it a whole lot. It's a schedule that, in many regards, was what Summerall used to do when I first started at CBS. Now, he did have tennis, but he was he was football and golf. Right. And um, Pat was a, was a dear friend and mentor. And um, he had a long, long career being known for those two sports. Well, now you got, you're down to two, so you'll uh... – <laughs> I and you get some off time off, and yeah, get in, you got to enjoy some time off at some point. Um, you know the thing is, it's all a joy. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but what I do need to do is I do need to spend more time with my kids and yeah. having the chance to to hand off the NCAA tournament best seat in the house to Ian gives me a chance to have. Well, actually, six consecutive weeks leading up to the Masters. And during that time, my children have their spring break because, you know, I have two young children. Yeah. And my my daughter, Finley, has a birthday. Guess what? I've missed all of this. Right, right. And it's gotten harder and harder for me to justify in my mind that I'm, um, I'm not there for them at those times. And I want those times. Sure. And 
I needed that time much more than I needed to go do another NCAA tournament. You're still going to be super busy. I mean, the NFL is, you know. Well, how many guys do 40 weeks a year? That's the question. You ask yourself that. There are. There are, yeah. But there are some that are far less than that, and that's okay, too. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited. It's going to feel a whole lot different. But um, he said, "Go. It's time for you to go enjoy yourself." I enjoy it all. Yeah. So Good. Good. it's uh, the old "I've never worked a day in my life" kind of mantra. It's right. how I feel. I have great people I work with, great events, and um, I plan on doing this for at least another dozen years. Good. Good. We uh, look forward to hearing you on Sundays, and of course with the golf. And uh, I know you have. Like you said, golf this week, US Open, but do try to get some rest in there before the NFL season gets here. It'll be here thank before you know it, thank God. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Thanks, pals. Great talking Thanks, to you. Thanks, You too. Tape for uh for this for the Super Bowl for next year. We got it. Bills and Cowboys. And I wanna yep. we'll chatter we'll chatter on go ahead. We'll see. We'll see. Can we make a bet between the two of us? Sure. Sure. Um is that legal to do on your podcast? Because I'm absolutely a, absolutely so a hundred dollars for each one that the other guy gets right. Love it. I'm down. Okay. Perfect. Done. I love it. All right. And let's chat about the schedule when that comes out. Look forward to it. All right. Take care. Jimmy. Be well, Jim. All Thank best. you. Thank okay. you all. Bye-bye. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, back after a week off for our weekly Train of Thought segment from WFAN Radio in New York, SNY TV in New York, Sal Akata. Sal, how are you? Good. Feel excited. There are, look, I always like talking to you, but there are certain times where I really look forward to talking to you. Today is one of those days. We have to discuss this topic. Yes, we have the Sunday ticket with YouTube. I'm going to save that. We're going to do that second because I got to do something else first. Okay, I don't know how I don't know this. Do you watch Succession? I do. Did you watch it Sunday? I did because, let me just take you through it real quick. So it's Easter Sunday, right? Exhausting day with the family, all that stuff. And I had to be up very early for work. I didn't have the overnight, but I was filling in during the midday. So I had to be up early 
So I was watching another show with my wife to catch up on and bang that out, like get get that off the DVR. And I wasn't going to watch Succession. And then I go to Twitter and I see you and others say, oh, my God, I can't believe this just happened or something. And I was like, I have to watch this tonight. I cannot go into tomorrow risking any spoilers. So I sucked it up and, and watched it. And I'm glad I did. I'm so okay. So you set me up perfectly. We didn't even plan this, and you set me up perfectly because I've got to share this story. I've been sitting on this story since Sunday night, and I think this is a good time to unleash this. So I need your judgment, your ruling. I need your take on this. So I'm in a group group chat, group text. It's me and three other people, three former SI people. We got Andy Gray, who you know. Yes. You got my boy Matt Dollinger, who now works at the Ringer, and I've got my boy Avi Creditor, all former SI people. So there's four. So it's me and three others. Okay, okay. Sunday night, ten forty one p.m. I text the group and say, "When can we talk succession spoilers?" Now, is okay. there anything wrong with that? No, no, you're good okay. so far. Okay. Dollinger replies. I don't think I can watch episode three until tomorrow night. And then okay. he goes, did Logan Roy die? Now, I don't say a word. I don't respond to the text of, well, did Logan Roy die? I wrote back and said, you won't be able to avoid spoilers until tomorrow. That was, right, like it's almost impossible. Right. And then Andy Gray comes in. Uh-oh. He is dead I just watched. Sorry, you can't hold off on this in 2023. Oh, no. So then, so I wrote, that's a real C word with a Y move. And I said, he said, he asked, Andy Gray, he asked, I felt it was fair. And I said, and what if Avi didn't watch? Andy Gray, I didn't really think of Avi. Oh. He goes, but your comment made it kind of obvious. I said, don't deflect. My comment was not <laughs> obvious. I said, so now this old this was here at 10.52 p.m., okay? 12.50 a.m. Avi, I just got back to Baltimore and haven't watched anything yet. Come on, there's got to be more than a two-hour grace period here. So in the words of Logan Roy, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great great text chain and thread that's fantastic well gray and dollinger tried to pin it on me when i said when can we talk succession spoilers i take no responsibility in this i did nothing wrong andy gray was the animal you started something that gray just completely messed up like there's no way he should ever do that so like when i see the tweet or even in just in general, like when we talk to somebody and, and they're like, Hey, did you see this? And I'm like, no, I didn't No spoilers. Like, no, no, no I'm not going to say anything, but, and then they go on to say a little, like, I don't want to know anything. So right. even the fact that I saw a tweet that said, Oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. Or even your text. I can see how some people would think he's dead. My tweet. This was my tweet on Sunday night when the episode ended. I feel bad for anyone who couldn't watch Succession tonight and think they will avoid spoilers tomorrow. Right. I'm giving you no indication there's a death. That- right. But what what else could it possibly be? And I'll tell well, you this, something even, even watching the episode, 
I still don't believe he's dead. Like, is he coming back this week? Like, it's almost like you don't even believe it the whole way through. You know he's dead. You don't believe it. You think he's do? You think he's gonna do an Undertaker and reach up out of the coffin, <laughs> start choking Kendall? My wife got so mad because she was led on, and I guess hoping that like he's the best part of the show. Obviously, it's a great acted show anyway, but right. it's gonna it's gonna take a hit without him. She was legit pissed off that at the end she was she was waiting and waiting and hoping he was gonna be alive. That she's like, I'm done with it. You can watch it without me. I don't want to watch it anymore. I was like, well, are you, what are you upset? She got that bothered by it. I, I, thought, I thought it was a phenomenal hour of television. Right, but there was... So well done. There was, because even though we know he's dead, there's still like, is he though? Right? No, and the I, acting was great. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think... I didn't really... Th- I, I didn't think there was a like, is he dead? I... I I mean, they made it pretty obvious he was. So um, right, right. But you think back. You don't even believe it. Like, I know he's dead. Right, I see him right. there. Well, it would be like the Sopranos killing off Tony in in episode three of the last season, as opposed to the last scene when the guy in the members only jacket probably shot him up. Right, but I don't think you could kill. I, like, yeah. I hate that decision. I you can't kill him that early. He's great. I want to see more of him. I. I I see what they're doing though. They're going to set up now the fight here, which will be good. I think they had to do it. It it is a fascinating thing with spoilers in this day and age. I, you know, if that's me, if I don't, I would have. See, I watched it. See, I didn't watch it live. I caught it about. I started it like maybe 20 minutes after it started because the other thing on Sunday night that I did watch, which everyone, if you're a wrestling fan, has to watch, is the A&E thing on Dusty Rhodes. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. That's on the DVR. It was so good. It was so good. So I watched that and then started the succession a little bit late. But um, no, I probably started at 10. Oh, no, no, because what I did was I watched half the Dusty thing. you got to watch the Dusty Rhodes thing. That's the bottom line. And then okay. the spoilers thing, I don't know. I mean. You're screwed. In today's day and age, you are screwed if you don't get to watch something live. Or just stay off of social media. And then you have to avoid it. Well, I don't know how you do that at work, but you have to avoid it somehow. You have to stay. You have to stay off social media. But Like you can't even check your phone for a second out of habit because you'll get burned. Right. You have a friend like Andy Gray comes in and boom. It's all over. That's you- horrible. And you're right. Yeah. By the way, even now with texts and text threads, which I don't even yeah. respond to group chat, I am so out on group chats anymore. I ignore it. If somebody, if the same person from a group chat texts me on the side, I'll respond. If they text me in the group chat, I ignore it. <laughs> so, That's great. I'm done with the group chat shit. I can't take it. There's a lot going on <laughs> on that phone of yours. All right, we've got to talk about. So the so YouTube came out with the yeah. Sunday ticket pricing and some of the issues. This is huge, huge. Now, I, I must be losing my mind because I thought the price was tremendous, and I see people on Twitter saying it's so high. So let me just give people what it is so they know. If you don't subscribe to YouTube TV, Sal and I both don't have YouTube TV. I have Fios, he has Direct. You still have Direct TV? No. Um, you have Optimum. Uh, optimum, yeah, whatever right. it is. Altice right. or Altice. Altice, yeah. All right, so we don't have... YouTube TV. So this would be for us. If you sign up before June 6th, and why wouldn't you if you're getting this kind of discount? $349. No red zone, which is fine with me. I don't need the red zone. Same. Now, 
I do think this is I don't understand why YouTube TV is doing this. If you sign up after June 6th, it's four. It's one hundred dollars more. Four hundred and forty nine dollars. Okay. And then if you so at three forty nine before June sixth, four forty nine after June sixth. If you want red zone, three eighty nine, four eighty nine. They're banging you for forty dollars a month more for red zone. I don't understand why anyone would want the red zone. Myself. And how if you much have, is it? Yeah, I'm, we are in agreement with the red. People love it. Look, if you're gonna get no, no. This, but if you're having the, pa- I don't understand. What, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like red right. zone. Okay, fine. I would never do that, but fine. But if you have this, you don't need the red zone. You don't want right. the red zone. So, so I don't. What's the I'm gonna, total for YouTube again? If you have YouTube, oh, if you have YouTube TV, yeah. Uh, before June sixth, two forty nine hundred dollars okay. less. So three. All right. So three forty nine without the discount if you have YouTube TV and, and you sign and up before June sixth. And what is it for us? It's the same, basically the same price. Three forty nine. Three forty nine. Yeah. Well, I don't like you and I, we know 1000% without fail, no matter what happens, we're going to get it. So right. why wouldn't you sign up before June 6th and save the hundred bucks? No, you have to do it. A hundred right. bucks so, is huge, huge. Right. So three, it'll cost you and I $349 for Sunday ticket. And I think that's, I think that's a fair price. So I just looked for reference before we came on here. I wanted to see what yeah. I paid because now remember, and I, I guess I could admit this now. So I thought I was getting it illegally because I was paying for it. But through if you didn't have direct TV, the only way you were eligible just to get the streaming is if you lived in an area where direct TV was not eligible. So when I lived in Manhattan, it was not eligible in my building. So I kept using that address even when I moved out of Manhattan. Actually, I moved into an apartment with my wife in, in Jersey that it still wasn't eligible. So I used that address. And then for the last three years at home, I've been using that address. So I have been paying for just the streaming service, 293 bucks. So this is so it's the same three, thing, yeah, 349. Three, so you're talking about an extra 60 bucks? Right. Sign me up. Right. Thank you. So, Sign me up. So people, what Sal tried to say there without saying, he was scamming DirecTV the last three years. No, we can now, that is we, not true. That's we can now say it because he's not going to have DirecTV anymore. He's lived on Long Island Suffolk County in a house where he should not have been eligible, should not have been allowed to get the streaming service. And for three years he did. So he scammed yeah, them for three for years. It. I paid for it. But you shouldn't have been allowed. You shouldn't have been allowed. I should not have had access to it, but I, I did. So you paid two ninety three, but that's streaming service only, which is Correct. what this is going to be on YouTube Correct. anyway. So Correct. you paid two ninety three, now you're gonna pay three forty nine. Are you upset about the four game? Max, that's what I've had, but we were hoping maybe you could watch six at a time. Or I would have liked more. I definitely would have liked more on the game mix, but I'll deal with four. Here's the deal. As long as they let me pick the... I know for the NCAA tournament, people have told me they did this and you got to pick the four games you wanted. And you were able to do that with your DirecTV streaming. Outside of the games that were Local. local. Right. Well, that so, yeah, could, so, you know, that could be Chiefs Ravens week three. If that game's on CBS, now you can't add that to the game mix. You need another TV. That's fine. I'll put it on the second TV. Okay. What I would like is the ability to do four, five, six, seven. Like, let me control how many games. All right. They want to make it four. Fine. So, as long as I can say, okay, it's one o'clock on Sunday, I'm going to watch, you know, Eagles, Cowboys in this quadrant, uh, Bills, Patriots in this quadrant, and you let me pick the games. I'm fine with the four. Right. Because to me, it's the same It's the same thing as I was getting with DirecTV Stream. 
which right. actually was not a bad service. Right. The high, so the the highest thing, the the highest cost is if if you're a non YouTube TV subscriber, you sign up after June sixth, and you want Red Zone. That's four hundred eighty nine dollars. That's that's the biggest hit, and that is a lot. Like I'm not gonna lie, when I saw that number, I was like, Jesus, do I really need this for five hundred bucks? Well, don't sign up after June sixth and don't get Red Zone. Correct. I don't know why you need Red Zone if you have Sunday Ticket. No, I don't. I'm just talking about the not you. Right. Oh yeah, I, and I've never had it before either, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, um, I, Mike, listen, we've said whatever the price is, we're gonna pay. I'm fine with three forty nine. I don't have an issue with it. My only thing is this: don't don't have any glitches. You better be as smooth as a baby's ass. Don't have There's any gonna glitches. Be- <laughs> don't have any glitches. There are gonna be glitches. Without fail, without friggin' fail, even DirecTV, who's been at this for a hundred years, week one, there's always a pro- always a problem. Well, I will say this: every single person I know who's cut the cord and gone to YouTube TV, so from everything from everything I hear, YouTube TV is a superior product to any other streaming service. So that's so good. how how are we accessing this? Is it going to be because like for direct TV was, it, it was an app for NFL Sunday ticket. Is right, so you're going to go, do you have Apple T? I don't know. I guess you have Apple yeah. TV or fire stick or what you go and you right. go to the YouTube and you go to the YouTube app. So it's the YouTube app. I want yeah. a separate like YouTube Sunday ticket app is what I would prefer not to have. The uh, YouTube app. That's above my yeah, knowledge. Right. Well, to know if that's, but uh, yeah, I'll, right, I'll, I have Apple TV. I'll go to the YouTube app on Apple TV, put up my four games and leave me alone for f- okay. four hours. That's it. Eight, for eight hours. What are you kidding me? Well, the four twenty five. that's easy to navigate. Yeah. Four twenty five. It's one o'clock where you got to work. Four twenty five is you can relax a little. One o'clock right. is work. Stressful, yeah. Yeah, very stressful. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm, ex- I'm exhausted by 4.05 on Sunday. I mean, I am wiped. I I'm, can't even bet the game. I don't get tired till the, till the night game, the NBC game. Then I'm like, wow, this is a long day. Yeah. Now let, let's bet 50 props on this NBC game. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The pitch clock. I saw where the, the there are teams now that are extending how long you can buy beer in the ballpark. Because, which is something I think you mentioned on this podcast about the concessions and stuff. So I love the pitch clock, but like you and I, we've said this before. I want to see baseball open to tweaking whatever needs to be tweaked. I don't think anything needs to be tweaked right now. I'm fine with it the way it is. What about you? Uh, I don't have any issue with it yet. Um, I do feel like at times it feels rushed, whether I've been Good. watching the games or listening to the games. Well, I don't want it to feel rushed. My, my theory is this. Like, since when, and I get that we're, you know, people are trying to get baseball for a younger audience. Like, what sport do we talk about that we watch that we want it to be over? What, what do we do? Like, if you well, go to a movie that no, you're no, enjoying, no. It's you want not, it to be over? It's, it's not that we want it to be over. We want the dead time eliminated. Which is happening. That's fine. But I also right. think that there's a rushed element to it where certain moments where you want it to breathe a little bit, it just feels rushed. I disagree because I think when you say – let it breathe. What that means is the pitcher wandering around the pitcher's mound and the batter fixing his glove. We don't need that. They they abused it for so long. This is what had to happen. Agreed. They abused it. So now they have to put in rules you, that make the game feel rushed at times. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was worse with the Yankees. As, as, as a, I mean, you know, there would be one four or two games a, a week. Game. That would be four hours long. Four hours long. Yeah, I get it. Uh, listen, you're getting the same amount of outs. The game itself hasn't changed. They got rid of the dead time. I think it's the pace is much better. Is the most brilliant things I've seen in the game. It's amazing Um, that it took this long. We've been dealing with four-hour games for however many years. They boom, it fixed this, and all of a sudden, instantly, you know, half hour shaved off these games here. And they didn't change the game. They changed. They got rid of the dead time. I think that's what's important. Um, I think even even myself. I think I'm guilty because I kept saying. Uh, shorten the game, length of the game, length of the game, length of the game. It's not. It's not that. It's the pace of play. They fix right. the pace of play. The pace of play coincides. Now, I will say this: on Yes, the Yes Network, which is mostly where I'm watching games. Although I've watched a lot of games on ML, I've watched a lot of baseball so far this year. MLB Network, the Mets. No one's really showing the pitch. A lot. What happens is once it gets to like ten or five, then the pitch clock comes on. I kind of want it on screen the whole time. And then I no. think, okay, maybe that is distracting. I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I want to see it. it. Sometimes. Oh, see, no, you, no. I, I think it's too distracting. I know for me, I'd be focused on it and I don't want to be. I hate when I see it pop up with 10 seconds. You want to tell me five seconds because now you're in a danger zone potentially? Fine. But every pitcher, every pitch almost is going to take until 10. So don't even show me the stupid clock. But Just I don't think I've clock. even seen it that much under 10. I don't see it popping on usually. Okay. I feel like I, mean, I, I, I feel like I've barely seen it on my screen. That's the way that it should be. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. Baseball is still a timeless sport. It shouldn't be timed in any regard. Well, so it I is that timeless idea. in that you have the game's not over until you get the twenty-seven outs. Right. The twenty-seven right. outs is what is what determines the game, not the time. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not as anti seeing the pitch clock as you. I find that interesting. What you can't handle it gives you anxiety. Yeah, it's too much already. I just want to watch the game, and once I see that clock winding down, and I also don't think it's as important. Like people are like, oh, well, you see the shot clock or the play clock. 
yeah, that's different. A shot in basketball or a play in football is far more significant, I know it sounds crazy, than a single pitch in baseball. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm, I mean, listen, I do think, listen, from, a, from just the X's and O's baseball game standpoint, you need to know if the pitcher is going to get a violation. So I think they need to show it on there at some point. So whether it comes on at 10, 5, 3, you know, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll agree at 5. Five seconds, fine. Five right. seconds, here we well, go. Well, because think about it. If you're watching a Met game, the thing comes on five seconds, and Scherzer's standing there not moving, you want him to throw the ball there. So, yeah. y- you know. you don't, I don't know. I could sound like a complete fool here, but I don't because I don't know how many. How many plays would you say total are run in an NFL game? Oh, I have no idea. Like 120? Um, I think it's like 120. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, fine. So, and then shots in basketball. I mean, are we talking about maybe the same thing? Maybe in in baseball, you're talking about 250-plus pitches. It's like every pitch we're going to have a countdown. That's that's quite a bit. But don't get upset. That's my point. They're not having the countdown. The clock's not on the screen for any of this. You should be happy. Don't get frustrated. I wish we weren't seeing it till five. The 10 second thing bothers me a little bit, but not to a point. So wait, is SNY showing it at 10? I think both yes and SNY have shown it at 10. I never see it on yes. It's bizarre. (laughs) Sorry. God bless you. Excuse me. That's all right. No cough button. Not on the phone. There's not. I know. Speaking of the cough button, we should let everyone know. Sal, you have, a, if the people in New York need to know, you're on a different shift for the next few weeks, right? Yeah, I believe so. So Keith McPherson, who usually does the evenings, his wife is about to have a baby. Yeah, as a matter of fact, she might have had it. Like, I don't know. It could be any moment. So he is, I believe, going on leave for six weeks. And starting this week, I've uh, had my schedule adjusted to evenings. So if you're in New York. I'm taking my life back, baby. I'm taking my life back. We'll get to that eventually. If you're in New York or if you listen to Sal, you like Sal on this podcast, you want to hear him on the Odyssey app for WFAN. You can listen to him anywhere in the country on the Odyssey app. He's going to be on. What's the hours you're on for the next few weeks? So it's usually like post-Yankees. If the Yankees are on. Well, then you're, on, you're going to be on now a half hour earlier because of the pitch clock. Yeah, thank you. I'll root for extra innings. So if the Yankees, more work for me. Yay. No, so after the Yankee post-game show, I'll go till 2 a.m. The Yankees are off or play afternoon like they do on Wednesday. I'm on 7 p.m. to midnight. So you either hear Sal 7 to midnight or if there's a Yankee game, 10 p.m. to midnight. To 2 a.m. On on the Odyssey. To 2 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, good luck. Congratulations on not going to bed at 6 a.m. for the next next few weeks here. Yeah, and guess what I have lined up for tomorrow already? Tomorrow. What do you have lined up? Tomorrow morning, we're going to the little gym. Me, my wife, and our daughter. I'm going to go to the little gym. You had to see how excited my wife was when I told her that, oh, maybe I could go tomorrow. There was no, in my mind, it was maybe I'll go to see how I feel when I wake up. But once I said that, it was, oh, my God, this is great. She's going to be so happy. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow with my newfound time. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say Maureen's kitchen, maybe like a nice breakfast with the family. No, I wish. I wish. I Although maybe yeah. we could do that after. I don't know. Maybe we'll something good. Yeah. Not anything. So a little, little gym. All right. <laughs> All right, Sal. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. My thanks to Jim Nance and Sal Licata. If you're not a subscriber to SI media with Jimmy Trainer, hit the subscribe button. Please leave your five-star review on Apple. We will read it on an upcoming episode. And if you've missed any recent episodes, 
Go into the archives. Check him out. Sports media reporter for the New York Post, Andrew Marshan, was on the pod last week. Cody Rhodes from the WWE two weeks ago. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football three weeks ago. Richard Jefferson from ESPN four weeks ago. Go into the archives. Check him out. Subscribe, 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 and leave a review on Apple. All right. That wraps it up for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week right here on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Stay safe and take care. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.